This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, and here at the Finding Holy Podcast, we want to help you connect the dots between the things that really matter and your everyday holy life. Over the last few weeks, I have been talking with my guests all about emotional health. It's a pretty relevant topic as most of us are stuck in some sort of recombobulation of what our lives look like with this COVID-19 pandemic. So I hope you will join me along with authors, pastors, artists, and activists to hear how they connect the big things of life into the ordinary habits of their days. And to help you on your journey, you'll get one small step at the end of each episode to take with you into your week. You'll also get to hear my guests' laundry routines because big things matter, but so does the laundry. Here's a little bit more about my guest today. Rebecca Brewster Stevenson writes in Durham, North Carolina, where she lives with her husband and children. With a background in teaching, she decided to leave that career to write full-time and wrote the critically acclaimed novel Healing Maddie Breeze in 2016. She's just recently come out with a book of Christian nonfiction called Wait, Thoughts and Practice and Waiting on God. She's a speaker and a regular Bible teacher, and we have a really good conversation about what does it look like to wait. Here's my conversation with Rebecca. All right, friends, I am here with Rebecca Brewster Stevenson. She's the author of the book, Wait, Thoughts, and Practice in Waiting on God. So thank you, Rebecca, for being with me here. Thanks for having me. You are so welcome. Now, I love what you say in the beginning of your book. You talk about waiting and you talk about its connection to control. And I thought that was so exactly spot on. Can you work through this idea of why is waiting about control? What does it show us about our nature of control, our lack of control, sure. and some of the fears maybe that come up because of it? Sure. Absolutely. Well, I will be honest and say that I hadn't really thought about waiting as lack of control until I was writing the book. And it just made me kind of, you know, how writing is, it makes you turn and confront things that you might not otherwise have done. Mm-hmm. Um, but just that recognition that a lot of times we think about waiting as idleness. Um, I'm just sitting here. Well, why are we sitting here? Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. We have reached the limit of our capacity to affect a change yeah. or to bring about what we want. Mm-hmm. And so we've actually come to a place where we realize I've got nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's certainly more readily apparent if you are struggling with an illness, for example, and you have, um, you're waiting on the right medicine or there is no cure. That Mm -hmm. kind of a waiting is going to show you that lack of control in a really keen way. Mm -hmm. The same is true. If you're wanting to be married and looking for a spouse, or if you're looking for a job, you send out all of the applications and resumes and then you're just sitting there and it is not up to you at all. Mm -hmm. I think that waiting is always an absence of of the capacity to make something happen. Mm -hmm. And that's control. Yeah. We can make things happen. We have control Mm -hmm. where we can't, it's been taken from us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so why is that so scary for us? (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, excellent question. Um, I think obviously, one thing, I shouldn't say this is obvious, but I think the first thing that comes to mind is certainly for us in the West, um, where we enjoy a certain measure of affluence, mm -hmm. we also, part of our privilege and part of our wealth mm -hmm. is the capacity to control, to make things yeah. happen, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I see this actually in moments of impatience with something like a remote, right? Mm -hmm. We want mm -hmm. to make um, the TV work the way we mm -hmm. want it to work and our incapacity to do it because it's broken, because the connection isn't there, brings such a rise of impatience because we're so used to everything going the way we want it to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, that that's just something that registers with us on a much deeper level because there are so many ways in which we have things the way we want mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And tell us maybe about, you know, during this COVID-19 pandemic and shelter in place, it's really been a, a sense of global waiting. Um, mm -hmm. How have you observed kind of maybe our cultural or national uh, lack of patience and waiting and, mm -hmm. and kind of pressing into that? And we'll talk in a bit about, you know, what are some practices that help us mm -hmm. to do that? But mm -hmm. what have you noticed is going on um, in regards mm -hmm. to waiting and our cultural spot? I think one thing that has been true for me and many is this sort of um, an awareness of a, of a grief. There's kind of a, um, a subtext for all mm -hmm. of us of just sorrow. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a, actually a really, as much as that sounds strange, a healthy way to respond. Mm -hmm. It also is a demonstration of the fact that we truly don't have control. We truly are waiting mm -hmm. because we've, we've had to sit down in this lack of agency yeah. and there's nothing for it but to, to be sad. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I've noticed in conversations with people with regard to this idea of lament is that while we might be frustrated, I, I, I thank God that my family and my extended family has enjoyed consistent health during mm -hmm. this time. Mm -hmm. But it's hard if you're paying attention at all, as many of us are doing, to your impatience with the irresolution of COVID-19, that even though um, you are well, you're aware that people are dying. Yeah. And so your own sense of impatience and just wanting to get back to some kind of semblance of normal life is marked by, wait, we can't. Yeah. If we try to push that too fast, that is detrimental to someone that I don't even know. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that's been an important thing for us to register at some level, this, this sense of our connectedness yeah. and, um, and the, this, despite one's not necessarily confronting it in any kind of immediate way with illness, mm -hmm. that we are registering the sadness that this means for other people. I keep thinking to myself, I look forward to this being over, mm -hmm. but for some people, normal life will never come back because right. they lost a father, they lost a mother, they lost mm -hmm. a husband. Um, yeah, I think that there's a lament and a grief. And to be mm -hmm. honest with you, Ashley, I don't think as a society, and this yeah. connects to what I was saying before about um, our capacity to kind of make things happen and be in control. Right. As a society, we also are not accustomed to grief. Yeah. We right. have private grief. We have moments of grief. We have episodes mm. of grief. Mm -hmm. But we are in a season of grieving, and it mm -hmm. is a learning curve mm -hmm. for the West. I think. Yeah, yeah. We don't all know how to... Um, how to healthfully respond to this grief. Yeah, I think that's exactly true. Um, yeah, and we see that in so many ways of anger and violence and, you know, things spinning out of control, you know, our self-numbing, um, so many different ways in which, unhealthy ways in which we have tried to deal with our grief or our lack of control. 
What practices might you suggest that would be helpful to us as we think through how do we sit? You know, you've used the word sit a few times. You know, how do we sit in this kind of waiting posture? How do we practice lament and grief? Um, What does it look like to wait well? Yeah, that's a great question. So the second part of the book was a really exciting project for me because it was, again, that idea of writing and being forced to kind of confront the thing you're writing about <laughs> right. and learn about it yeah. in a new way. Yeah. Um, I didn't anticipate when I first set out to write the book, I, I anticipated the theology in the first half, right. but yeah. less the practice in the second half, and yet realized that the Lord had taught me a great deal and that I was still practicing mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. Um So one thing that I want to say, though, is that I don't in the book address the idea of lament. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to say, especially in this time of pandemic, that I think it's so important to let ourselves grieve and to pretend that the grief isn't real is Mm -hmm. a a kind of denial that injures you Mm. And, and grief will out. I yeah. am a firm believer that you <laughs> yeah. can't bury it. You can yeah. bury it for a time, but it's not going to go away. Right. So I think that an immediate answer to your question, it's important for us to allow ourselves to grieve. And there was a time in my life years ago where I was grieving something very different. And a wise friend said to me, I had young children at the time. And she said to me, make space to grieve, mm-hmm. make time. Mm-hmm. where you can go be by yourself and just let yourself weep. Mm-hmm. And I have practiced that in mm-hmm. other ways and other points of grief in my life to be deliberate about it. Yeah. Um, go into a place where you can do it healthfully, where it isn't right. alarming to other people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause it can be, especially if you're a, a parent, right. it can be alarming to your right. children, but a cre- you know, look for spaces to allow yourself to grieve. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of other aspects of waiting that the book does go into, there's so much, there's so much fruit mm-hmm. to be had in our relationship with God in what looks like the wasteland of waiting. Mm. There's so much. And writing the book showed me that. One of the things that I love is that I can't get away from it in scripture and especially from Jesus in the New Testament, how often he says to us, ask me, ask me, Mm. ask your father for what you want. We know that he knows what we need. Mm -hmm. And yet he still wants that conversation with us. Mm -hmm. There are profound things to be understood about his love for us and his interest in us. If he's telling us to ask him, mm-hmm. I think that is, that's enough to think about for days. Right. That he wants to hear from me, even though mm-hmm. he already knows. Mm-hmm. Um, so prayer and that asking him and beseeching him and saying to him, this is so hard for me. He wants to hear that from us. Mm-hmm. And of course that also says so much about um, what we're dealing with the nation as a nation about injustice and and asking for justice. That's its own vital um, mm-hmm. aspect of our conversation with him. Yeah. Um, but another piece that I'll just bring out that I talk about in the book, and this is the hard thing. I think it is really important for us to praise him while we sit in irresolution. Mm-hmm. I think that often we think praise is the thing that comes when we've got the fix, when right. we've got what yeah. we waited for, right. when we've got the, res- the, the result. Yeah. But that's not what I've learned from my parents who follow the Lord. And it is not what I learned from scripture. Yeah. Um, he talks about a sacrifice of praise in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great deal to be gained from naming to him through praise, his goodness, his power, mm-hmm. his sovereignty, and our, and our need for him. And mm-hmm. praise is a rehearsal of those relationships mm-hmm. and, and reminding us of where we stand. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and a reminder of his goodness while we waited. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And it turns it, it turns the story back to not centering even our own grief and sorrow too. Right. And to say, and to, to bring our lack of control to a God who actually has control. Right. 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 And he delights in that. He meets us there, right? Mm-hmm. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. That's a mystery to me, mm-hmm. but I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> that he is there and present with us when we mm-hmm. when we earnestly seek him mm-hmm. and praise his name. Mm-hmm. You know, as we're trying to just think more practically about how do we wait? How do we pray? How do we grieve? Um, you know, not only nationally, um, globally, right, with this pandemic and our own personal kind of losses and griefs. You know, as we're thinking about kind of all of these themes, what, you know, what do we, with this whole turmoil of emotions, you know, how do we, how do we bring them in God honoring ways to God um, rather yeah. than just <laughs> blowing the top? I mean, of course right. that's, that will happen, but you know, right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I love that you asked me that because I feel like I had to practice Yeah. one thing that I've learned regarding this just earlier today. I just was feeling a little bit overwhelmed and, yeah. um, and, and so it was making me moody and mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I had to just sort of sit down and go. And, and again, that whole idea of turning and confronting something. Yeah. Instead of just feeling it, I had yeah. to turn and say, mm-hmm. oh, this is what I'm feeling. Right. And like, to name it. Out, yeah. Right. And as you point out, we don't always have the presence of mind. And I think if you have young children or if there's a lot going on, that's mm-hmm. ex- exceedingly difficult to do. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm learning to kind of stand back and say, wait, I'm feeling this way right now. Mm -hmm. I think I need to do something with this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually just went and sat down in the living room for a hot minute and just said, okay, wait a minute. I need to think about how I'm feeling because how I'm feeling could end up being mean Right. To the people in my household. Right. And they didn't do anything. Right. Right. <laughs> this is just global pandemic and right. happiness. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we do need to, uh, the, the phrase hold space, make space to right. recognize mm-hmm. the feelings can come so fast. It's hard to, to do that. But I right. think that's really important to sort of stand back and go, okay, wait, maybe that's when you turn on the TV for your kids. Right. Or, um, I, there's nothing wrong with that. You know? Right, right. Go up to your room, put your head down. Right. Um, yeah, pour yeah. a cup of coffee. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, or like Elijah, who is depressed and anxious and just needs a nap and yeah. some food, right? And I love it. Yeah, yeah. Story. I love it too. We will be right back with the rest of my conversation with Rebecca with some more practical tips as we think about how do we wait well and what do we do with all of our emotions and how can we trust Jesus right now in the middle of COVID-19. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, 
Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Friends, there is a special offer for listeners of the Finding Holy podcast. If you are looking for a licensed professional counselor who's also a Christian, you can hop on over to Faithful Counseling and even meet with someone over Zoom now. You go on over to getfaithful.com slash findingholy. If you go to getfaithful.com slash findingholy, you'll get a discount on your very first session. And here's the rest of my conversation with Rebecca. Tell me about this connection. You know, you talked about asking, which is a really great chapter in your book, but because I think we have a, we have a sense in which we either like we can't ask because we feel like we're like not being respectful to God um, or or we're just like, you know, here's here, God, here's my laundry list of, right. you know, you're my genie in the bottle kind of thing. Exactly. Um, and so how do we marry this idea of asking this idea of desire? with the idea of waiting like what's that relationship between asking and waiting yeah i love that and thank you for naming that i think for so much of my life as a as a follower of jesus i have not wanted to ask for things because mm-hmm. i feel like okay father god you gave your son for me mm-hmm. how dare i ask you for anything else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and again it was the process of writing this that made me look at that and see how many times he says ask me ask me i know the verse that i quote at the beginning of the chapter called mm-hmm. ask is psalm mm-hmm. 62 8 mm-hmm. pour out your hearts to the lord right mm-hmm. he continually invites us in um and your question how do we marry this i think um, I honestly think as I've learned and thought about yeah. his, his command that we ask is his inviting us into a deeper relationship with himself. Mm-hmm. Again, he already knows. So if he wants me to ask, maybe he's inviting me into understanding his love for me in a new mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. that, that he actually wants to hear from me. Um, something happens in that dynamic of of saying to him i need that i regard him in a different way because mm-hmm. he has heard and received that from me mm-hmm. i think that it expands our our understanding of his love for us mm-hmm. when we ask him mm-hmm. in, as as children and that's something that that, mm-hmm. that chapter kind of works with is that he reminds us again and again you're his children you get to ask him yeah your own child asks you you want to hear it from your child so don't you think your father wants to hear it from you mm-hmm. it's actually a gorgeous dynamic and mm-hmm. depth of relationship of his love for us that i think he's trying to show us through asking mm-hmm. and in a time of um pandemic i mean my word the asking can be about ourselves but with any few minutes of prayer we begin to realize how much more we need to be praying for our neighbors mm-hmm. and for our world and um, for our leaders, there's mm-hmm. just so much to bring before him. And mm-hmm. um, he wants that from us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, that's something to think about for, for days, that the mm-hmm. God of the universe wants to hear from me about yeah. my perspective of mm-hmm. what the needs of this world are right now. Yeah. But he does. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. gorgeous. It is, isn't it? It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, for sure. Tell us how this kind of posture of waiting um, 
affects kind of our horizontal relationships. How do we wait with other people? How does this posture of waiting affect us as communities? Yeah, that's really good. Um, I think one thing that it does for us is to engender a, um, a, a sense of humility. Yeah. I mean, waiting is a posture of humility. And again, mm-hmm. we go back to that mm-hmm. the beginning of our yep. conversation about yep. the lack of control. Um, and one thing that was interesting for me as we waited for um, what the book talks about is just our financial desperation to be resolved was the realization that so many people around me, b- believers, followers of Christ were not in that place, that God yeah. had not asked that of them. Mm. Um, and it was a real place of humility for me that we were enduring this when other people could buy, do, manage things in whatever way it seemed they wanted to. Mm. Um, but that humility that it asked of me nourishes the body of Christ mm. because mm-hmm. it reminds me I'm not better than you. Yeah. And, um, that could, that return to that posture. I would never say that any of us maintains it consistently. Right. But that <laughs> return, that continual return to a place of humility is, um, it's a gift to the body of Christ. And for the community that we were in of people who loved us and knew what we were going through, I think it asked a lot of them too, yeah. because they wanted it to be fixed. They wanted it to be repaired. No doubt there were times they never said this, but I can only imagine <laughs> there were times they didn't want to hear about it anymore. Right. Right. Um, and it required them, I think, to mm-hmm. readjust their expectations of God and mm-hmm. say, okay, he's doing something different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it teaches all of us that we don't, we're not in charge. Yeah. And he is good even when things don't look good. And that's a hard lesson for us in the West. Oh, yeah. It's so hard. Ugh, I don't like it, but yeah. <laughs> like it either. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you realize right when you're in those seasons, um, mm-hmm. in those waiting seasons that you wouldn't have traded, right? The right. suffering no, or the waiting no. Um, no, for, for what is born from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And his generosity within it. And honestly, that's something to think about. The last mm-hmm. chapter of the book is called Watch. It was the chapter that surprised me the most. And if I were going to rewrite it, rewrite any part of the book, it would be mm-hmm. that chapter just to spend more time. Mm-hmm. Because that chapter just encourages a person who's waiting to the tendency when we're waiting for something is to just keep our eye on the, on the prize quote, right. quote, that thing we want. Right. And the book is always trying to encourage the reader who's waiting to look past the thing you want to mm-hmm. God who's doing a thing. <laughs> I love that. And, yeah. Um, I think that I learned in this, in, in the season of, of waiting mm-hmm. to watch and see the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. He is there. He is himself. He is abundant and gracious and merciful. And if we're so distracted about the thing we want, we're mm-hmm. going to miss the generosity mm-hmm. and the glorious goodness. Mm-hmm. And as I say this to you, Ashley, I'm realizing I need to be looking more for that mm-hmm. during this pandemic. Yeah. Because when I think about it, I'm just like, bring us to a place of resolution. Yeah. He mm-hmm. is active and busy and gracious and kind mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And I want to be looking more for those things and praising him for those things. Mm-hmm. Amen. We don't want to miss that goodness. Right. The yeah. Israelites were fed by mystery on a daily basis. <laughs> they were in the wilderness, right? Mm-hmm. Quail and manna showing up outside their tents. What? Yeah. yeah. That's crazy town. What a glorious thing he did. Yeah. I want to be better at watching. So what are some practical ways that you have found, you know, through this process and book writing and your study? Yeah, to wait well, like, how do you watch? What does that look like for you, like in the course of a day? 
So I think that you really can't, you can't be watchful unless you are coming from a posture of recognizing that you're loved by God and that mm-hmm. he's caring for you. Mm-hmm. So I honestly think as, um, as familiar as it is to say it, the best way to wait is to return to him again and again mm-hmm. and again. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily mean be sure you have your quiet time. Mm-hmm. Although I think that's a, can be a glorious thing. It can also mm-hmm. just be a chore and it right. can also be a tedium. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that living in a place and returning again and again to a place mm-hmm. of recognizing his goodness, of repenting of my pride and selfishness and um, uh, mistrust mm-hmm. and then praising him again, that just opens me up to seeing mm-hmm. him and noticing him mm-hmm. really. And mm-hmm. it's a minute by minute thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a, it's not a one and done. I did right. it this morning at right. seven before the kids were up and I'm right. going to go right. um, sitting in the living room before my conversation right. with yeah. you and confronting the negative yeah. blah that was yeah. in me yeah. was a readjustment of my posture to mm-hmm. you are good. I'm not so good. You're doing good in me. Mm-hmm. And then moving on from there. Yeah. Yeah. Little prayers, little moments, paying yeah. attention, asking the yeah. spirit to awaken things. I'm yeah. starting to keep post-its around my house. I don't really like the look of it, but I think <laughs> it does it does help remind me, you know, at various places like, oh yeah, to not yeah. not spin out, you know, um yeah. in anxiety yeah. or um mm-hmm. yeah, to re just to retune and return mm-hmm. your attention and affection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. To return your affection to him. Mm-hmm. That's really, really good. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes the most, oh, just was going to say, I think sometimes the way that I live most faithfully is by repentance and praise, repentance Mm -hmm. and praise Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And that softens, I think that softens us then too, Mm -hmm. that combination. It's good. Most definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, I would love to hear your laundry routine as we conclude (laughs) our conversation. Um, And the reason I ask this is, you know, I think, it's wonderful, right, to talk about God's goodness and theology, but I always want to help people. Like, what does that look like, right? What does it look like on your day-to-day? And so right. I love hearing I love, I, I love hearing my guest laundry routines, too, to hear <laughs> how the practical and spiritual intersect. <laughs> I love that you do that. I think it. I think it's great. I have to say I have a love-hate relationship with laundry. I'm yeah. not the first person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Mondays are my big day. Clean towels, clean sheets. And it yep. just feels like a great way to start the week. Yeah. Um, and I love... I, once I get started with laundry, my laundry machines are in my basement. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a, so it's an easy task to kind of ignore because right. it just doesn't feel like it's part of where I'm living my life. Yeah. But once I get it underway, it makes me really happy. Mm-hmm. You can kind of get big chunks done at once. You yeah. Know? And I, I, I love, so I, once I get started, I love the process up through the folding. Yeah. And my tendency is deliver it to the room. And then there it sits, right? Yeah, and you're kind right. of fishing the pieces out from between. The right. Yeah. The yeah. So that's just my weak spot with laundry is like, yeah. The final. Yeah. Um, but I also will say that when my kids were little, um, there was a part of me that just loved it because I loved, and even when they were growing up, not just little, I loved kind of working with their clothes and thinking about the bodies that mm. filled those clothes. Mm. And mm. our daughter was gone for six months 
this this winter um, serving with YWAM for mm -hmm. part of her gap year. And when she came home, I was so happy to do her laundry. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. an act of love in just it is. Yeah. folding and putting those things to rights after they've mm -hmm. been used. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've come to think of laundry as a gift. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But it, it does remind us, right, that all things can really be transformed. Instead of and just goodness yeah. waits for us yeah. to see it. Yes. Well, thank you, Rebecca. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks thank for joining me. I'm delighted. Thank you so much, Ashley. You are welcome. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that thoughtful and inspiring and just encouraging and hopeful conversation with Rebecca Brewster Stevenson. I'd encourage you to hop on over to the show notes, connect with Rebecca check out her fiction as well as her nonfiction book, Wait. It's a hard waiting season, and so I love to offer my listeners with just one small step that you can take into your everyday holy life. On this conversation about waiting, I want to encourage you to have a couch moment, just like Rebecca did right before we actually recorded that conversation. Just a check-in moment as you're passing your couch, maybe check in with your emotions. Are you feeling angsty? Are you feeling angry? Sit down, take 10 seconds, where in my body is tight, and bring that to God. Just as your quick prayer time, a, a time where you can say, God, I'm feeling angry or frustrated. I'm feeling despairing or dejected. Realize I'm leaking all of these emotions out on my family or friends or the internet. So I'd love to know how that goes. Maybe you just plop on down after every meal. Maybe it's a morning little five-minute couch moment. But I think having a place, especially as a pass-through place as you're walking around your home, is a really important way to check in with our emotions and to bring those waiting moments to God. I hope that encourages you. I would be so honored if you subscribed to the podcast and reviewed it on iTunes. I know that seems like a whole nother extra step, but it will help other people find the Finding Holy podcast to have great conversations about things that matter most. Again, it's been really so great to talk through emotional health with so many friends. I encourage you if you're looking for a few other episodes. Episode 46, I speak with Meredith McDaniel about God's steadfastness. In episode 38, I speak with Laura Whiffler and Emily Jensen of Risen Motherhood on creating a scaffolding for faithfulness. And episode 35 with Jake Meter on loneliness and the common good. Those are a few great places to start. You can click on over to the show notes to listen to those. I hope you'll join me next week with Angelie Pascals. We continue to talk through these issues of emotional health before we take a few weeks break for getting ready for our next season of the Finding Holy podcast. So I hope you'll join me next week. Remember, friends, big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.